It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed hey guys, welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin here in Los Angeles. We've got Mike across the pond in London. What's up? Yo, how you doing, brother? Good, good, good. How is it over there in the in the early morning hours of uh, London? You know, I, I guess we just missed the solstice or whatever, right? It was the longest day of the year, which is sad. I should have went to like Stonehenge or some shit because that's Dude, weird can, shit goes down. You could have met day. the aliens. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, it's by the time you guys are hearing this, we would have already got the announcement, like the report from the government about aliens officially comes out for us uh, in a few days. Very exciting stuff. Wow. Dude, it's all happening. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Well, this week, very a topic that we've been talking about forever behind the scenes and... We decided to just say fuck it and do it, finally. Top five songs associated with films. Very excited about this one. Me too. Me too. Um, I think we both ended up with with lengthy lists, a lot of songs, a lot of memories. I'm sure they, they, they're, they stick in your head for different reasons. We didn't, just to be clear, we didn't, this isn't only, uh, you can use songs that were written for movies, but it's really just a song in a movie you hear the song you always think about that movie is that fair that's definitely fair yeah pretty much just that you you hit it best there songs that when you hear them to this day you think about when they were used in blank scene and blank movie exactly but before we get there we have to talk about our spotlight this week our spotlight this week and I mean, we had to do it as we just ranked the Fast and Furious films on a recent episode. And had a furious debate. Yes, we did. Is F9, the ninth film in the Fast and Furious franchise. And a little, little surprise for everyone here. I went to go see the movie, actually <laughs> hilariously twice opening weekend. And one of those times with Alex... Alexandra Curran, who has recurred as a guest, obviously, on the pod a few times, is here to do the spotlight with us. Hello. Hello. Recurred. <laughs> yes, he was <laughs> Oh, we've never had this. Just a quick pop in. Did you t- have you told the story, though, of how I wasn't invited to the premiere? Well, let's now I'm it. now I'm gonna have to tell it. Wait, so, let's hear it from Alex's side. I feel like we don't even need to hear your bias. Well, well, you know, just walking the dog one day casually, and shout out Norman. And shout out Norman. And I think <laughs> I'm. I think it went this way that I was like, "Oh, the Fast Nine movie is coming out," and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going." 
And I was like, what? You're going? And then he was like, yeah, I'm going with blah, blah, blah. And I was like, um, I wanted to go. And <laughs> never did I get an invite to go to the Fast and Furious. And he's like, I didn't know you liked it. And I was like, um, I've always gone to every Fast and Furious movie in the movie theater. So you just don't know me well enough, clearly. But yeah, it was... I, I gave him a hard How time for she? it. I gave him a hard time for it until the day of the movie. <laughs> now, Town, did you do this on purpose so that you could go twice opening weekend, or did you honestly <laughs> not know? I wish that I could say the former, but it, but it's the latter. I honestly didn't know, and you know we've never we've never seen a Fast and Furious movie together in the theater, and. We do see a lot of movies in theater, and I do know that she likes action movies, to be fair to her. So I should have put two and two together. But it's just with a couple of the boys who I always see these with, it had come together, and we had bought tickets like a couple months in advance. And then Alex yeah, was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I see it. I know. That's the story. But then it's like, Alex oh, was like, but, what but are you then, talking about? But then. I like I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll just go like by myself. And then he was like, <laughs> uh, no, I want to go. Like, so he didn't invite you, but then he also forced his way into your viewing. Exactly. Facts. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, when it comes to fast, though, all bets are off. Town will probably see it at least once more in theaters. Well, wow. I, I beg to differ for on his side. Me, I'd love to see it again. Loved it. Wow. Oh, well, I, now I have to know. I mean, the suspense is killing me. I thought it was the worst in the series. Yes. Yes. I thought we were bringing Alex in to be the deciding vote because you and I have different opinions, but it's clear we've united. This is terrible. Wow. We we should have, we honestly should have let you and Alex go first because then you would have lost it at my deciding vote because she liked it. She thought it was great. All right, let's hear the let's hear the case for Alex. Yes. Go. Well, well, first of all, like I'd been told by Justin and by Dylan Finnerty, who has been on the podcast. Shout out Dylan Finnerty, um, that it was terrible. Right, he's been on the podcast. I didn't just shout him out accidentally. Oh yeah, he's been on the podcast. Big shout out <laughs> Pixar episode, big one. Oh, nice. So yeah, I've been told it wasn't good. I've been told it was terrible. So. I went into it thinking like, oh no, like it's going to be, I don't know, boring, whatever. Halfway through the movie, I like w look at Justin and I whisper, I'm like, oh, I love this movie. Because <laughs> I thought it was so good. I thought the action was great. Like, I don't know. I've heard by some people that it seemed to be very confusing and like they just transitioned without finishing s certain like scenarios. But... I actually, I really enjoyed it, and I thought like John Cena was a great addition. I liked the storyline of them being brothers, and it gave you a little bit more history on like Vin Diesel's character and stuff, and on Dom. For a moment, I forgot his name. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really nice to kind of get a little more background on him and. And yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Here's my response to, to Alex because we saw it together. And then of course, Mike, please then give us your take. So 
when I say I think it's the worst in the series, don't get me wrong. I still enjoyed it wholeheartedly. It's a Fast and Furious movie. They're all great. This one, though, undeniably, for me, just took things a step too far in the silliness and cheese factor. These movies are all, once you get past, you know, once you get past the first one, even the first one, they're all silly to a degree. They're all meant to be like, almost like uh, the lines are so ridiculous that they're funny. But all the movies have, I thought, flowed really well. Everything made sense to a degree. There were stakes. Like you, you were invested in what was going on to all these guys. And the chemistry, having the full group together as it, as it grew, was really spot on. I thought with this one, there were just components missing. It was, I thought that the plot was very, I thought the flashbacks, as hokey, of course, as they were, were actually pretty good. And I thought the, the actor for Young Dom was fantastic. I just felt like everything else happened so quickly. Like it was like, okay, they're at the farm. And then okay, of course Dom is going to, you know, just run off and no one's going to say what, where, who who came overnight to go ch- look, stay with the kid in like the th- three hours. I think there was a lot of things like that where they like wouldn't really, you got to A to B without the component you needed to get to A to B and have it fully make sense. And I feel like that hasn't been the case in other installments. Then I also felt like John Cena, he was fine, but he's, I got to say it, as much as I've lambasted The Rock for the way that he's treated the family in real life, he ain't no fucking Rock. The Rock just had that fucking chemistry with them. He was such a good component amongst the whole ensemble. And Cena's a fine, you know, he's fine, but he didn't do anything crazy for me with it. I thought that the whole movie felt a little bit maybe like a setup for 10 and 11, which is going to be the two-part finale to the whole saga. But I don't know. It just was a little sloppy. I felt like even the whole whatever was going on in the plot, which I saw twice and still don't fully understand, was a little bit generic. And like Sana's sidekick slash partner was just such a not great villain. And Charlize doesn't get really utilized till the very last bit. There wasn't any massive set piece action scenes like usual. I mean, there was the beginning, but nothing that was on the level of six or seven or eight. Yes, the whole space thing was great, but I thought that because you didn't have Rock and because a couple other cast members were missing, you didn't really have any Kurt Russell. We fully had to rely on Tyrese and Ludacris, and it felt a little forced at times, whereas I've never thought that from them in one of the movies before. But... um I'm saying a lot of negatives. It was still a fun watch. It's just as a massive fan where I've thought they've stated a pretty consistent quality. I felt like this one was a bit of a drop off. Very surprising giving Justin Lin was in the driver's seat again. And hey, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> but I really hope they they bring it back for uh, 10 and 11. And I, I'm encouraged by the after credits scene when we get a little pop in from an old friend. Oh, my God. 
it's amazing to me that you're able to parse anything like different about these movies because they're just all the same. <laughs> Do I think this one was like the most bold in its terribleness, but like <laughs> yes, yeah. this, I, I just don't even know because it, it's the most poorly managed franchise that makes a billion dollars per film. Like, I, just don't, <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Like they don't have anywhere to go. They haven't built any new characters. They just keep rewriting the past every movie, which just makes the already having no stakes action scenes not even matter at all. And like, I'm I'm glad that they admitted that it was a superhero franchise. I thought that was kind of a fun way. To that just was say, one of my positives. We don't actually care what anybody thinks, especially me, because we're just going to do whatever and we don't care if you like it or not, because it'll still make a billion dollars. And, and the, I mean, what, what is the after credit scene? I literally don't even know what the significance of that is supposed to be because everyone's alive and they're not dead. There, but we don't know. Jason Statham, he's a good guy already, but now he's, is he not? I don't know because he was already a good guy. John Cena, he got the Jason Statham treatment. He was a bad guy. Now suddenly he's a good guy. It doesn't matter. It just none of it matters, and people will keep paying. And as we said in the last one, the answer to all your questions is money. I just don't understand it. I didn't mean, I almost fell asleep. I was able to fight it off, but it's just. It was awful. I don't know what else to say. It's terrible. And I mean, stop, it was. There's no stop, way you can pretending that fucking Paul Walker is like just off screen. That is the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Because don't again, you dare! Like, don't you dare! They don't have anywhere to go. They haven't done anything to set up the franchise. So they just be like, "Oh, he's here!" Like, no, he isn't. Move on. Move on. Who's Ramsey? We've got one thing about her in like three movies, which is establishing that she's not a white man. In like the first movie that she was in, we don't know anything about her. We don't even give a shit. God damn it, this movie. <laughs> so we know your feelings. I know a lot of feelings, clearly. <laughs> I, which is all to say, this is pretty much what you get. This is pretty much what we've got in the last couple movies. Uh, it all feels the same to me. I do want to say, and then I, I'll leave it to Alex for one last hurrah, but the positives for me was that, Mike, was the running joke of it essentially being a superhero franchise and like them poking fun at it. And I loved, again, a lot of spoiler alerts coming, but if you really don't want to hear about certain people showing up, spoiler alert right here, fast forward 30 seconds. I love that the Tokyo Drift guys show up. That was awesome, I thought. And about Han being alive, that really bummed me out that they gave that away in the trailer because there was no reason to. And if they hadn't, it would have been. There's no reason for him to be alive. That's really what there's no reason. Well, that's true, but they. But again, money. They just want him back because he's one of the most popular fans. Didn't even bother explaining it. They were just like, you know, illusions or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I look. I had a fun time, but it was there. There is no question in my mind that it's the worst one in the franchise. Okay, very, very quick, and because I want Alex to be able to go again. But I will say, agreed, and it's not fair because he's a lot younger, obviously, than some of the other cats, but I think Lucas Black still looks pretty good. I feel like we should get him in his own spinoff. I kind of was much more interested in his character. I'm, a, I'm into Black. it. I'm into it. Well, you guys have said a lot. I just <laughs> enjoyed the movie. I don't know. She liked it. She had a good two and a half hours. I had a great experience. Yeah, I went to IPIC in Westwood. If you live in Los Angeles, you should go to IPIC in Westwood. It's great. We got bougie. We got bougie. They bring you food to your seat. Your seats recline. It's beautiful. Um, (laughs) It was a great theater experience. And I just, I love the action. I love the music too. I think 
in every Fast and Furious, the soundtrack gets you so like pumped up when the scenes are happening, right? It just makes you want to like get in your car and drive extremely fast and spin it around. <laughs> oh man, I'm look not at even, her. I'm not look even gonna. <laughs> also, shout out to Michael Rooker just being in this. And I feel like Young Dom, he's getting a lot of like praise right now. And people are like, what movies is he going to be in next? Because I was, you know, stalking him on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, he was good. If there's one thing, he was good. They did it. How could you cast a Young Dom? They did it and it didn't feel out completely outrageous. It wasn't that bad. I thought Young John Cena was worse for sure. In terms of like. He doesn't like he's so much smaller than John Cena. It doesn't feel like he could ever grow up to be him. And Cardi B, she made a cameo. Oh yeah, yeah, Cardi B because <laughs> just because just freaking because. Yeah, I I'm praying that in the final two that somehow they squash things with the Rock and he gets back in there for a little bit. And I I'm fine with the tone of like seven. Bring me back the tone of like six or seven and. That would be delightful, but I feel like they've just gone full send over the deep end. <laughs> I like how that rhymed. Um, yeah, well done. <laughs> but I did have a question because you had mentioned, you're like, yeah, it didn't really tell us like where um, Dom like took Brian, like dropped him off. But like in any movie, are you actually seeing a full scene of him putting the child in the car, driving no, but, to the No, but house. even a comment right when they get to the airport, like right when he gets to the plane being like- But they uh, do mention it later on. Way later though. Like we're talking like 45 minutes hey, later. Hey, that worked for me. Because it, it my assumption was that that's where the child was. So you just not, must not be that great of a fan if no, you didn't no, assume- no. <laughs> Oh, this, how dare she? Of course I knew that's what was going to happen. But I also know- the realistic nature of time and they're living in the middle of fucking nowhere and you're telling me that Brian he and me are going to get there in like two hours. <laughs> I like that you're now you can't ask questions down. You've defended this franchise at every turn. You can't ask questions. The answer, the answer is that cars go vroom. That's the answer. Don't worry. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Well. And you don't know where Brian lives. Fair. Okay, fair. I guess he lives right down the road. Right. Someone that I know loves the ending of Seven. You really think we need to be like invoking Paul Walker like he's driving up in the driveway? Like, let's just come on, come on bro. We know he isn't. Just let it end at Seven. It's okay. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, it'd be fine if it ended at Seven. What a great ending. Anyhow, this has been lovely. Longest spotlight we've ever had. Good we had to do it. We had a special guest that wanted to pop in. And we definitely needed you because we needed someone to say positive things. I needed someone to say positive things. Alex, thank you for joining us. Of course. It was great. Great being here for this little uh, catch up. First yes. ever spotlight popping. First ever. Making pod history as usual. She's and uh, still the first person to have, what, been a guest three times, I believe. Is it three times? No, twice. Oh. I think three times. Oh, yeah. Three. Wow. Yeah. I'm really forget it. I'm still waiting on my paycheck, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so are we. You'll, so you'll get it. Yeah, so are we. You'll you'll get it when we make number four. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm waiting for my quarter. <laughs> my twenty five cents. <laughs> oh. 
You might get 10 if you're lucky. All right. It's been fantastic having you. And before we get to the episode itself, we quickly have to do a Patreon shout out. Very important one, as they always are. The one, the only, the man himself, James Passamato. You know him from our top five football movies episode. He's going to be on soon again for top five baseball movies to carry on the sports tradition. Man, thank you so much for for subscribing. It, I mean, it means so much to us. Like, Pass has been, you know, one of my rider dies for over the past ten years now. Friends with Mike and Mike and myself in cop from college days, and as he would say, he is so money, and <laughs> we <laughs> we love you, buddy. You're 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 an ultimate Schwartian. Pass, you're the best. Can't wait to talk to you soon. All right, and now it is time to get into top five songs associated with films. Who who starts this week, Mike? I think me, actually. I, I you know what? I think you then. Okay, my I'm starting us with some comedy, actually. Ooh. Uh, so my number five comes from the movie Old School. Which I don't, I don't think we've actually talked about officially as a selection, but I think we've talked about it a few times on the pod in other ways, and that is the cover of "Total Eclipse of the Heart" by the Dan Band. So, so, so good! What a fucking pick! So obviously, shout out Bonnie Tyler from Wales. Big shout out Wales. Uh, you know, who wrote the original song. But then this one, uh, this is, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we hear from the Dan Band, right? And then we get them later in some other Todd Phillips movies, The Hangover. Mm-hmm. Starsky and Hutch is a super, super legendary one. But but yeah, this one is, uh, it's like right in the beginning at the wedding, you get like almost a full minute of the song and it's over uh, Will Ferrell, uh, who plays Frank is is dancing with his wife, so they're still together. And it's like thirty seconds of the normal song, and it's just like, see the fucking look in your eyes. And then Will Ferrell like looks at his wife like, what? No. <laughs> and then he just absolutely leans into it. Um, and then yeah, obviously these guys end up being in some of those later movies. They're kind of a hilarious little feature that carries through Todd's filmography. Uh, super funny. Uh, this is a great karaoke song if you're looking for one, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I always I always think about this. And and also, I should mention that this is in uh, Urban Legend, too. A very memorable scene in Urban Legend. So, big love this song. Wow. Dude, unreal number five. Just missed my list. Just barely. And oh, you thought of this, too? That's great. Dude, I mean, one of the, one of the all times. It it really is. I, can't, I I don't know. It came to me later in the week, so I'm glad that you uh, had picked up on it. But it's probably, yeah, I mean, this and Urban Legend, I would say, are probably the only reasons I ever would even listen to this song. And I just, yeah, it kills me. Incredible. Just incredible. Um, Love that pick. All right. So my number five is one... That that's very famous, but just sort of on a recent, uh, in the past six months rewatch, really just stood out to me as just such an incredible scene, 
And since then, back in the day, I think I had a mild association. But like since this recent rewatch of this movie, I just can't stop just thinking about the song with the scene. And that's Tiny Dancer by Elton John and Almost Famous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this didn't make my list, but I kind of had a feeling it would be on yours. But interesting to hear that it's only recently made the association for you. Yeah, which is it is weird. Like, I've always loved the movie. So, of course, like the scene is great. But just obviously Elton John is so big and Tiny Dancer has been in multiple, you know, shows and movies over the years that. I think over time it sort of lost its like pairing with the movie for me just because I hadn't watched it in a while. And then right when I watched it, it all came back and I was like, oh, my God, like this, this fucking scene. And it's just the way it's used with you've got pretty much just like everyone is is together on a tour bus, even the you know, the members of this fictional band in the film and they just all start singing Tiny Dancer, and it's it's just incredible. Okay, so this is easily the most memorable part about the entire film to me. What is yours? I just sort of like thought the party, the whole party scene. Is that what you um, associate most with the movie? I'd say yes. Th- this scene also, but again, I, it wasn't that like this wasn't, one of my favorite scenes in the film, it was just, you know, I listened to Elton John anyway. So it's just, you know, I hadn't seen the movie in like five, six years. I'd sort of, I just yeah. think Tiny Dancer. But then when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, like, of course, the the iconic scene. Yeah, that and of course the party scene. But money. Oh, so good. I Assuming this is not on your list, I will also just quickly throw out the Benny and the Jet scene from 27 Dresses movie. That I love. Yes, yes, yes. Great team. So big shout out Elton. Good big shout out Elton. He's got some great, great songs and movies and TV shows. For sure. Well. For sure. Uh all right. So my number four, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I have to be honest. Oh uh, this guy no, and his cheating. I'm, I'm, I'll pick one. No, honestly, I won't. Actually, I'm just gonna pick two. Fuck it. Um <laughs> two. <laughs> no, well, you'll you'll see. You'll see. Because mine is from uh 1967's The Graduate. Okay, okay, okay. You're allowed to do this. I'm letting it slide. Yeah. So I mean the graduate, the the soundtrack is almost exclusively Simon and Garfunkel. There's like some other instrumental tracks, but it's very much associated with Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, and really there's two songs for me. You know, there's Mrs. Robinson which is impossible to disassociate from the film because it was it was written for the film, but like also not really. It's kind of a long story, but it was sort of co-opted for the film um, and obviously is a key, key moment in the entire thing. Though I will say it's also in Once Upon a Time, and that is pretty great. See our Tarantino episode if you haven't already. And the second one is, is Sound of Silence, which is the end of the film mm-hmm. that I won't, I won't totally spoil, but basically you end up with our two main characters just sort of in the back of the bus, just kind of close up on their faces for, I want to say like at least a minute while this song plays. And it just kind of has that, I don't know, sort of like aimless, sort of melancholy, wispy sort of nature to it as they kind of just go off into this, you know, uncertain future, I guess you could say. And it just, 
really, really hits the movie fantastic. And and this is one that I, 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 I don't think I can't remember exactly when I saw The Graduate. It was sometime in high school, but I definitely wasn't really listening to Simon and Garfunkel before I saw this film. And and since then, I'm I'm a big fan. Um, so I'll always always think about this film uh, when I listen to them. Wow. Okay. I mean, I love that. Like, there, it's such a. I feel like those songs are such giants of this topic. Like, I feel like when people think about songs associated with films, similar to Tiny Dancer and Almost Famous, I feel like those are really big ones in the canon. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. Big band, big movie, um, important to a lot of people. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of people would probably have this somewhere near their lists. You know what, though? I'm not a graduate guy. You know, I've actually, I'm getting the impression, uh, and, you know, reach out to us on socials if you agree with this or disagree, but I'm, I'm getting the impression that The Graduate is starting to get a little bit less popular over time. Interesting. Uh, and, it, and it does have a few problems to it, but I, man, I just think, I mean, 1967 is just such a massive year in movies with The Graduate and Bonnie and Clyde in the heat of the night. I mean, they're just it changed it's a big moment in terms of changing kind of what films were coming up so i've always appreciated this and uh i can definitely say that the sentiment of the graduate is is universal this kind of coming out of college not knowing what to do with your life sort of thing very true definitely can't hate on that all right my number 4 is i'll just get to it mutt by Blink-182 in American Pie. Nice. So Blink-182, my favorite band, of course. This song and this scene, it's just such an iconic piece of the raunchy teen comedy. It's, you know, we were, Mike and I were the perfect age when this came out. It was like one of the probably first rated R movies that we would like sneak to go see with our friends even on D- like on DVD because we were we were too young to sneak into it in the theater but uh this is the iconic scene in American Pie where Shannon Elizabeth who plays Nadia goes into she's in Jason Biggs's bedroom who plays Jim and she gets naked he is broadcasting it accidentally to the entire school and mutt plays during the during the whole scene as he's going between his room one of his buddy's houses like like down the street it's just unbelievable and blink 182 themselves cameo in it and are playing band practice at like a space and and watching the video as well it's just it was such a big part of our childhood american pie and Blink, of course, being one of my favorite bands, this this had to be included. And the reason it honestly isn't higher for me is just because because I listen to them so much, there's other songs I associate even more with the movie than I do Mutt with American Pie. But every time I do listen to Mutt ever, I think of the scene. And just, you know, I'm assuming you don't have this mic, but an honorable mention that I'll have later is in the second American Pie Every Time I Look For You by Blink plays at the opening scene. And it's another one that 
I associate with a movie. And it's just Blink and American Pie. They go together very well. I don't have that, but you are making me think that one of my honorables should have been Hashpipe from American Pie 2. I do always think of that. American Pie 2, one of one of my favorite soundtracks, American Pie 2. Great fucking soundtrack. Yep. Also, as I believe, Fat Lip, Sum 41, I think. It, it just has so many good ones. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is this is solid. I definitely 100% associate this song with this movie. Uh, I just don't listen to Blink that much. But that's, that's why I wouldn't make my list. But a great association. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, my number three is one that... I definitely associate with the film, obviously. That's the point of the list, but is it's the song gets played a ton. It's so it's this high on my list because of how often purely the song is played. Um and I make the association all over again. And that is two thousand four Mean Girls. And the song is Jingle Bell Rock. Interesting. So yeah, we did an entire episode kind of about Mean Girls, but never talked about Mean Girls um, officially. But uh, love this film. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite sort of teen comedies. Uh, it has a couple other songs in it that are that I often associate with this. But the one of the biggest moments in this film is obviously where the four girls get together. Um, Lindsay Lohan's now part of the crew, and things go downhill kind of shortly after this. But they do the the annual like talent festivals sort of thing. Uh, talent festival talent show um anyway they do their annual performance of jingle bell rock and now Lindsay lohan's in it uh you know there's there's a problem with the boom box and they have to sing the song and everybody in the audience sings it and it's it's great um but yeah obviously this song gets played you know for an entire month like every fucking day so i hear it all the fucking time and every single time this is what I think of. It's this movie. Mean Girls. Oh my god, that's unbelievable. What a fucking wild card pick that I was not expecting from you. Uh I should also mention that apparently Jingle Bell Rock was released by Bobby Helms, nineteen fifty seven. Never ever would have known that. No, I never would have known until now. Sorry, Bobby Helms. You're no mean girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, what a fucking strange pick from you. It's I I just I love it. All right. Uh, I didn't think this one was that shocking, so I'm glad it's, yeah. I mean, it is from 2004 and not like 1896, which is when most. <laughs> but then again, we, then we found out it was a 1957 song, so, they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this fucking guy. You know, he just can't escape those times. Unbelievable. Oh, great number three. Uh, all right. My number three, dude, okay. My number three. I feel like is definitely a bit more uh, a bit of a less known pick depending on right. who you are. And for me, one of the most impactful songs used in a movie ever, like I, to this day from the first time I ever saw this film to right now, which is quite a few years over 15 years when i hear this song the only thing i think of is this film the film is out cold and the song is island in the sun by weezer oh nice this is a cool pick i like it thank you um so if you don't know what out cold is i won't go too deep into it but essentially 
it's a movie about snowboarding in this small mountain town and this big like developer trying to pretty much buy over the ski resort, make it this resort town and all the locals want to keep it pure and what it is. And the song is this integral, integral part of the movie where it's what played on the jukebox when uh, I believe it's the first time that the love interest of the main character ever like walks into the bar and he like meets her. I think that's how it started, but either way it was like their song and he like can't listen to it anymore because it reminds him of her. But then of course she becomes a part of the movie and it's just, it's too good. It's like, it, it is, it's, it's, one of the only times that I can think of where a song is not only played in a movie, but it's like a direct plot piece of the entire movie is Island in the Sun by Weezer. And it's just all I can think about whenever I listen to this song. And I love Weezer. I've seen them a bunch of times live. When Island in the Sun starts, I think about this song playing on the jukebox in Out Cold. Nice. This is, yeah. So I've seen Out Cold only within the last few years at your recommendation uh, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. But yeah, Island of the Sun, I mean, Weezer gets a little bit of play in movies. They have a couple big ones that get passed around. We already mm-hmm. mentioned Hash Pipes. So yeah, good pick. Love Island in the Sun. Um, and glad we're showing some Weezer love. I think we talked about them on the Patreon recently, right? We we did. We absolutely did. And yeah, it's and just out cold, if you haven't seen it or haven't heard of it, it's sort of an underrated comedy from that zone it was 2001 so from that era of comedies and it's got a great cast it's got a great cast it's got jason london uh zach alfanakis in one of his first film roles david keckner david denman from the office of course just a good good little good little movie good little cast check it out uh okay my number two is the opposite of out cult um but from a similar time this is from 2001 and the movie is Donnie Darko. Ooh. And the song is Mad World, which in this case is a cover by Gary Jules, uh, but was originally written uh, by Tears for Fears. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah. And this is, so this was, this was written for the movie. Um, compared to the original, this is like a way slower, more stripped down, um, very sort of, frankly depressing um song the tears for fears version is like i don't know you could like dance to it like it's obviously the same lyrics but it's it's like it's kind of out there Mm -hmm. um i definitely prefer this one and this happens over the it's the end of the film which is basically the beginning of the timeline i'm not going to even bother try to explain Donnie Darko on the spot but you it's kind of a montage of all the people that you've sort of seen what happened to them over the course of the film um and then eventually you know, you come to the realization that, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to spoil it. Sorry. That, that Donnie is, is going to die, um, and kind of put a stop to everything that you've just seen and all the kind of heartbreak and tragedy, um, that, you know, was, was going to happen to these characters that they may or may not remember, which is extremely complicated. But, um, yeah, I remember watching this the very first time, um, because I think Donnie Darko was kind of one of those movies for people our age that was like, holy shit, like film is, this is film. You yes, know? Like this definitely. Is, we were just, it was like something you had to see 
that was like, okay, now I feel like I know what, what good movies are. And Richard Kelly wrote this when he was like 25, which is insane. But um, yeah, I remember it. I definitely like Napstered it like right away and have listened it to to it many, many times over the years. And I don't really care for the Tears for Fear song. So I basically never, ever think about anything hey. like this movie. Hey, don't you ever talk about Tears for Fears like that again. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> this is a better version. You know um, what? I'm going to... I'm going to agree with you there, but Tears for Fears, amazing well, I, band. Amazing yeah, band. No, no, no offense. I'm just saying this, okay. this song, this movie is it. You know, it just captured the, the exact vibe of the movie and was instantly iconic for me. Yep. Wow. That is a, that is a great pick. And, and yeah, that's, it is iconic. That is, that was a good word for it. And funny enough, Mike, my number two, is just a perfect compliment to your number two. Oh, interesting. Because it's probably the other movie I would think of when I think right as we were hitting that age where we saw a movie and we're like, oh, this is film. Like, now I'm seeing real movies. Is it Amelie? Because I feel like that was the other one. (laughs) It is not. It is not. It is Fight Club. Oh, nice. Okay. Where is my mind by the Pixies? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, great pick. Uh, thank you. And so, yeah, I think when I first thought of this topic, this was actually the very first movie that hit me just because this song, I like the Pixies and, you know, they're a good band. But when I was that age, when Fight Club came out in 1989, I mean, that was the first time I ever heard the Pixies was the end of this film, final scene, you know, Ed Norton has, I'm going to ruin Fight Club for everyone, so I'm also going to spoil it. It's, I think that's allowed after 20 years. But, you know, Ed Norton has figured out that Brad Pitt's character, Tyler Durden, is him. So they're the same person. And he's shot himself trying to kill Tyler Durden, so to say. Anyways, he's finally woken up from this whole haze and they're they're burning down the city and Helena Bottom Carter comes up the stairs and she walks over to him. She's all concerned. He's like, no, no, no. And he's like, everything's going to be okay. And then all the buildings start exploding and he's like, puts his arm around her. You've met me at a very strange time in my life. And where is my mind plays? Gives me chills just describing it. And I just remember growing up Fight Club was probably like the first movie that got me into it was it was one of the first, if not the first film to take me down the rabbit hole of becoming a film lover. It was my gateway drug. And so it holds a special place in my heart. And and there's truly not except for my number one, there's not another song well, there's a, there's it's one of the only songs that I this heavily associate with the film. I will never not think of Where's My Mind as oh, the song that plays in Fight Club. Like that's what it is to me. Yeah, 100% agree. This is this is cannot be. I mean, this is that moment. It's it's all you ever think about. It's such a great it's it's a great visual really in the film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the end where everything kind of comes together. You've just been hit with the the big twist. 100% agree that this is this is up there in like the getting into films of people of our age. Also, shout out E2 Mama Tambien. 
another film, I think from exactly the same time. <laughs> Maybe 2001, actually. I think all the films I mentioned are from 2001. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, this is a classic, right? I mean, every, I think almost everybody our age loves this film, can remember this moment. Um, I could easily picture it right now. I've seen it God knows how many times. Great, great choice. Thank you. And and we've already arrived. We're here. Number one. I'm very curious about your opinion on my number one film. And that film is 1981's An American Werewolf in London. Ooh. So the song I've chosen is Bad Moon Rising from Creedence Clearwater Revival. I should mention that this is maybe better associated with Blue Moon, which there's three different versions um, in the movie that play, so it's probably better associated with that song. But for me, it is always Bad Moon Rising. Um, I, first of all, I fucking love this film. And I know that this is this film is the very first time I heard that song and is now like one of my all-time favorites. Um, and I just... This song gets stuck in my head like, I don't know, like once a month. I find myself singing it. Um, it's not a particularly important moment in the film, I mean, it is in a sense. It's basically, you know, our main character uh, is just kind of walking around the apartment. Um, you know, he's waiting for his sort of his girlfriend, I guess you could say, Jenny Agater, to come home. Um, and he's just kind of hanging out, bored. And then in the next scene, he starts turning into a werewolf in like an extremely painful um, transition. Uh, one of the best out there for werewolf films. Um, and that is actually over Blue Moon. But anyway, this movie, always think about this song. Um, it's, it's I def, like I said, it's definitely the first time I heard it. Um, and I remember getting into Credence uh, soon after that. Um, love this film so much. I should also mention that I'm going to see it uh, later on this summer for the 40th anniversary. The only wow. time I will have ever actually seen it at a screening, I'm seeing it in like a an old abbey like an Abbey Ruins. They're playing this film on the day that it came out, 40 years to the day. Very excited. Wait, what's the day? Uh, August 21st. That's my birthday, bro. There wow. you go. Wow. There and I, I didn't even know when it came out. That's unreal. Um, I love this movie too, even more so oh, now nice. that it came out on my birthday. Nice. Um, I haven't seen it in quite a while. So I, I forgot a little bit about the song, but I love that pick. And I am going to try to see it this summer for the 40th. I'm sure it'll be playing at some theaters around here in late August. Yes. we. Um, I have a secret hope that... So this is, um, I, I don't want to say very favorite, but at least one of Edgar Wright's favorite films. He talks about it all the time. So I'm secretly hoping that he'll show up at the screening. Whoa, that, that would be But maybe awesome. he'll be in LA. Maybe he'll go to one of yours. True, <laughs> true, true. But I do I do feel like he'll pop up somewhere because I know he just loves, loves, loves this film. And the 40th is coming up very soon. It's it's a fantastic film. So good, good taste, Edgar. Yeah, we should also, I think it's maybe worth mentioning now before I give it to you for your number one. Um, also a big fan of Fortunate Son, another Creedence song, which shows up in a shit ton of films. Forrest Gump, War Dogs, mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of video games. Oh, Logan Lucky is in as well. It shows up all the time. Love that track as well. Great shout for Credence. All right. What is your number one? My number one. I'm I'm going full mic for my number one. Yes, 
Fuck yes. I'm taking it back to 1896. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it really was the only film, the only song that really could be number one because it's so epic. Like it, it really defines the word epic for me. And it's so incredible that multiple bands have used it as the intro for their shows over the years. And it was composed in 1896 by the German composer, Richard Strauss. It's called also Sprach Zarathustra opus 30, which, which translates the beginning translates to thus spoke Zarathustra. And it is, from 2001 a space odyssey the 1968 film and it is the way that the film starts with this piece played a part a part of this piece the 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 opening of it and it's just i really think it's the most epic piece of music ever used in film can can we get a brief rendition right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hundred percent leaving that in. Oh my god, amazing. Uh but yeah, I mean, what's there to say? It's it's one of the most recognizable pieces of, of music. Um just made obviously famous by 2001 to be completely honest but it's it's awesome thank you richard strauss that's wow i definitely thought you were joking um about the 1896 but i'm, I'm glad that you cashed in on it yeah no it that's, was real it was real that's yeah i'm not mad at that at all might be the first um, thing on the pod that was created prior to the night prior to the 1900s Oh, that could be. Yeah, we haven't talked about the Lumiere brothers yet. That's maybe next episode. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, yeah, there's a couple great, obviously classic music picks um, in this film. I think that this song is used way too often um, in film. And it, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. What I'm saying is, only a film like this is epic enough to pull it off. That's wow. Yes, I fully I mean, agree. When it's basically signaling the start of, you know, human fucking evolution. It yes. has to be. It has to be this big. Um, so, you know, n- not that he'll get this, but big, big shout out to Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Seriously, big shout to to Koobs. And, dude, it's so funny because when you look it up on YouTube and, like, watch it, the comments are just too good. They're just too – they're like <laughs> – this is what played when the Big Bang happens. Like, it's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the comments are just too good. Yeah. This is, yeah, definitely the most appropriate usage that I can think of for a piece of music that's used, you know, probably thousands of times. Yeah. So I, I had to, I had to include it, had to be done. All right. I'm not mad at it. Let's, uh, let's recap quick and then we can do a few honorables. All right. I am, uh, Starting with five, I am totally Eclipse of the Heart from Old School. Four, I have cheated and used Sound of Silence and Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate. Three, Jingle Bell Rock from Mean Girls. Two, Mad World from Tony Darko. And one, Bad Moon Rising, uh, American Werewolf in London. And I am five 
Tiny Dancer in Almost Famous, four, Mutt in American Pie, three, Island in the Sun in Out Cold, two, Where Is My Mind in Fight Club, and one, also Sprax Arathustra, Opus 30, 2001 A Space Odyssey. All right. Uh, honorable. So I'll talk a little bit about one and then rattle off three or four more. So the very closest one to making my list was What is Love in Night at the Roxbury? Such a good one. The only reason it didn't make my list is because I you just don't hear this song that often anymore. But when this was sort of being played a lot, I mean, it was it's impossible not to think of this movie. 100%. A hundred percent. Still to this day. It's yeah. Ah, that's such a fucking good pick. I hadn't thought I had forgotten about that one. I feel ah, that was I'm so glad that you did. that You brought it up. Um, The other ones I had were Shout from Wedding Crashers. That that's on my show. Co-opted that song. Uh, We've we've talked already about I Will Survive from the replacements in other episodes. Um. Baba O'Reilly, sometimes called Teenage Wasteland, from The Girl Next Door. Always think about that. That's oh, over the so ending. good. Uh, Stuck in the Middle from Reservoir Dogs, also mm-hmm. a C. Tarantino mm-hmm. episode. And my last one is, I don't think people will know this song right off the bat, but I think if you look it up, you'll probably recognize it. It's kind of an underrated song from the 60s, but the song is called Lightning Strikes by Lou Christie, and it's in a like one of my very favorite sort of underrated horror films called Strange Behavior. Strange Behavior? Yeah. Also known yeah, as Dead Kids, it. but that's that's a worse title. Anyway, check it out if you're interested. But yeah, that's a, my Dark Horse pick. Amazing. All all fantastic choices. I also had forgotten about Bob O'Reilly. Oh my God, that, that's such a good one. Great soundtrack. Fucking great soundtrack for a- that film. Agreed. I've, I've definitely listened to songs purely because they were in that film but yeah obviously ends with the epic and we know we know obviously we've said it already but i mean juice is worth the squeeze come on oh my god yes (laughs) all right so for my honorables the first one that i'm gonna that i'm gonna shout out so i personally on my list if you if you guys noticed i didn't pick any songs that were made like for a film i just i just didn't want to personally. I wanted to choose songs that were just songs in and of themselves that make me think of the film. But one of my favorite songs ever used in a film and that only can be associated with that film is Scotty Doesn't Know in Europe oh, yeah. by Lustra. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For and sure. so, and I know Mike loves that one as well. And I, so I have to shout that out because. You don't hear Scotty doesn't know. I do not know if there's a soul on this planet that hears Scotty doesn't know and immediately think of Eurotrip. I truly don't think there is. Can't be. Yeah, just can't be. So big shout out to Scotty doesn't know and to Lustra, the band that performs it, and Matt Damon, of course. Uh, some others, I had Go Daddy-O by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and Swingers. Yes, yes, yes. Great scene. I had I'm shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys in The Departed. Um, I love this is sort of a, a random one. The band isn't random, but the the usage is the end of Transformers. The first one, What I've Done by Linkin Park. Just I know my brother, if he's listening, 
shout out to Dylan. We'll freak out about this, but the way that they end it and just like sync it up with like the chorus hitting and what I've done, it's just so good. It's so good. And me and my brother, like Optimus Prime makes this big speech and he ends. He's like, what does he say? He's like, we are like, we are, we are watching, we are waiting, or we are waiting, we are watching or something. And then what I've done. And then it just hits directed by Michael Bay. And it's just, I love it. I don't remember that at all. I'm going to check that out. (laughs) You got to check it out. Um, And then just a couple more. Uh, I love so many songs in Pulp Fiction, but I'm going to shout out Son of a Preacher Man. Again, C.R. Tarantino episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve and Cruel Intentions. And of course, don't you forget about me. Simple Minds in the Breakfast Club, the end of the Breakfast Club. Yeah, nice. So that's that's mine. Cool. I think, yeah, that, 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 that wraps it up. That wraps it up. If we've forgotten any that you think are amazing, that how the fuck could we have ever missed these, let us know. Hit us up either in the DMs on Instagram or comment on the posts but we we would love to know at instagram it's at top fives and deep dives twitter it's at top dives if you want to email us for any reason top fives and deep dives at gmail.com and if you guys wanted to help us out you could do one of two things you could either write us for free you know just a free thing you could do could write us a five-star review on apple podcasts really helps us get noticed if you're interested in bonus content you can join our patreon so you get on there you pick the tier that sounds good to you and you get a ton of bonus content from a shout out on the podcast bonus episodes twice a month we have a two recurring series that we have a new episode of that uh, every six months and some more stuff too. So go check that out. Links are in all our all our social medias. And uh, thanks for thanks for being with us this week as always. We hope you enjoyed it, and we can't wait to see you next week. Top fives and deep dives with out of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with out of PTM. Top fives and deep dives with out of PTM. So, so, so good.